You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts, and our podcast, available anytime on demand at WPTF.com or through our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina. We've got a great show for you today. Brian Van Buren, National Advocate on Alzheimer's Disease, is with us to talk about Alzheimer's, his journey with it, how it has changed his life, and what you need to know about it. But before we get to that, as always, ladies and gentlemen, our esteemed production engineer here at WPTF, Mr. Jason Kung. Jason, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, Mike. How are you doing today? Man, I am dragging today. I don't know what it is. So here's here's where I'm at. We're at the time of the year where I start getting very conscious about, okay, how much weight might I have put on over the Beach winter? season. That's right. You know, I'm still in my mind. I'm still 24, even though I'm double that age. And so I'm thinking here, like, okay, like I kind of start, my body wants to go through the, the, the usual routines that I go to. So I'm watching what I eat. I'm going to the gym more. I'm feeling good. I'm like, okay, we're, you know, getting to that certain time of the year. And uh, I don't know what it is. You, normally every night I sleep like a baby because I'm, you know, just like tired, putting in some extra work, you know, uh, extra lap around the uh, the trail and, uh, and hitting the gym. Um, but I just did not get much sleep last night. So I am just kind of dragging, dragging through it a bit here. But you look like you don't have that issue at all. You look like you're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and in shape. So that's great. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, sleep is just one of those things that I've just, I'm usually exhausted by the end of the day. So it's usually a matter of me having the discipline to go to bed at an early enough time to make sure that I'm well-rested for the next day. Yeah. You know, I don't have that problem anymore because I usually get too exhausted. I remember back when I was in my early 20s, I had, uh, I've had many jobs, Jason. And I don't think we've ever talked about this. No, I don't think here's we have. A, here's a little Mike Olander fun fact. You ready I'm for ready. This? I'm ready. Okay. By the time I was 25 years old, I had had 25 jobs. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. I don't know if this is more about you or, <laughs> or what. <laughs> Starting with starting with working, uh, spending my summers working with my dad on his wise potato chip truck. Oh, that sounds cool. It was very cool. You know, I, I had camp friends who were going to camp and doing stuff like that. And, you know, there was sometimes I was jealous of that, you know, but man, you know, when, kid, when we got to, you know, school, you know, in the fall or whatever, and people say, well, so what'd you do this summer? And, oh, I went to this camp. I went to like, what about you, Mike? I worked with my dad on his truck. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, Wise Potato Chips and Linden's Cookies and, and Beef Jerky and Slim Jims. And they were like, what? And I was like, I could eat as much as I wanted, what? which was kind of true, you know? And <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was really, um, yeah, fantastic. But anyway, yeah, 25 jobs by the time I was 25 years old. And, um, you know, I remember one of the jobs I had was renting forklifts right out of college. I was in a transitional period. And I remember... Uh, talking to one of the work guys there and he was, I don't know, he was maybe 40 or something. I remember him saying, yeah, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night, you know, I'm in bed. And I remember thinking, I will never be that person. That is awful. Going to bed at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> now I'm like, I'm 930. I'm watching TV. 
right? And I'm looking, I'm going, great, half hour, and I get to go to bed. <laughs> now I'm actually looking forward to that. It's it's uh, it's amazing how uh, how things change, Jason, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know. It's a big difference. But, man, 25 jobs at 25. Your, your resume must be like a, a pamphlet. I, I don't know what you're doing was, there. Let's say I could be – I was very choosy with doing those early resumes of being, okay, which <laughs> ones do I want to put on? Because not all of them – some of them I literally had for a day, you know, like selling <laughs> knives. Yeah, that didn't work out so well for me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you live and you learn uh, and so on and so forth. And I have to say one of the uh, – you know, I've been at ARP now 16 years. Um, and uh, which is by far the longest job I've ever had, um, <laughs> especially compared to that one-day job of selling knives. And uh, it's been the most rewarding um, experience I've ever had at all, ever working since I was seven years old, um, because of the opportunity to be continuously inspired. Um, people, meeting people who had, you know, come from different backgrounds, different walks of life. Some of them had very successful careers, some of them just kind of were grinding it, you know, the nine to five. Some of them were stay at home, raising families. Some of them were caregivers. Some of them uh, had very different paths, you know, some of them very uh, tragic um, in some ways. And, and some of them exemplary artists and, and, and things like that who have, um, you know, made a name for themselves. But um, every now and then, it's, it's really wonderful when you, um, you know, not just meet people and have the opportunity to meet people, but actually befriend people and get to know them and are just inspired by them and by their story and how they choose to spend their lives. And uh, one of those people is our guest today, Jason. Um, Brian Van Buren is a founding member and a former board member of the National Council of Dementia Minds and a member of the Dementia Action Alliance Advisory Board. He's also a board member of North Carolina's Alzheimer's Association, a member of the Prime Timers, works with AARP, uh, member of the, the um, group Making Charlotte Dementia Friendly, and also is in uh, a support group for uh, African-American caregivers. Um, I had the opportunity, well, I'll let him tell this story a little bit and how I met Brian working with AARP, but uh, Brian Van Buren, thank you so much for being with us, my friend. My pleasure. Uh, Brian, you have had quite a journey getting to where you are now, and I don't even know where to start. So let's start by um, asking you, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your career, your diagnosis, and where you found yourself at that point? Sure. I, um, for 22 years, was a international flight attendant, and I was the purser, which is the person in charge of passengers and the crew responsible for making all the announcements all of a sudden i found myself not being able to remember announcements that i've been making for 22 years and one of them was in case of an evacuation i had two minutes to evacuate that plane with 258 people i could not remember what i was supposed to say wow so in that kind of situation i couldn't just go get a book and start reading because that would delay so that was kind of like the start i was forgetting things uh, we would land at an airport like in Washington, D.C., and I would make the announcement that we landed in New York, totally forgetting where we were going. And so those things just kind of kept creeping up. And the problem was that I never worked with the same people, so no one was really able to monitor what was going on with me. They just figured, oh, he's just having one of those bad days. But it, it became a concern with my job. They suggested I see a neurologist 
which I did. I had a scan, showed I had vascular dementia. And then from there, she hooked me up with the uh, neurologist. And he wanted to do what's called a PET scan, which can confirms the diagnosis of Alzheimer's. So I had private insurance at that time, and he applied three times, and they denied it because they said, well, he's got a history in his family. There's not a cure. There's not a prevention, and it costs too much. So they just would never let me have it until I got a Medicare, in, in which within a week I had to test done, which confirmed my diagnosis of Alzheimer's. It wasn't a surprise. Uh, I'm third generation in my family. My mom died four years ago from Alzheimer's. And both my grandmothers died from it. But back then, they called it senility. They didn't really address it as Alzheimer's. So I kind of knew as years were going on, something was not right. Um, And I was afraid, and unfortunately, it was probably going to be the diagnosis of Alzheimer's. So I think I was in a little bit of denial about it. But after I got diagnosed, my doctor basically told me to go home and get my affairs in order. And that was it. No references, no referrals, no nothing. Mm. So I just did that. I went home and laid in bed for three months waiting to die. And then I finally realized that, you know, Brian, that's not you. You're an advocate and you've always been out there. So get your butt up and do something. Well, fortunately, I got this card in the mail from this organization called AARP looking for volunteers. And so I said, well, you know, I could do that. So I went to the first meeting uh, connected with Mike, and it was just a great experience for me because he got me out of bed and it allowed me to start doing things again. So I was supposed to teach a class called Life Reimagined, but in the process, I ended up getting approached by the Alzheimer's Association in Chicago to be on their advisory board for early onset Alzheimer's. And so that's what I ended up doing. And Fortunately, in Charlotte, they were um, starting a group for people with early onset Alzheimer's. So I, I was the first member of that group. So that really helped me in terms of get information and just connect with other people who are in my same situation. Brian, your story is so, so moving because, you know, you're you're so relatable. And I remember when, when you first came, you know, when you came to that ARP volunteer recruitment session, uh, to work on our, that life reimagined program that we used to have, you know, right. there's only so much of a person's story you can absorb. You know, when you first meet them, there are only so many details. And of course, as I've gotten to know you and got to know, you know, more of your story, it's uh, what strikes me is it's you're you're so relatable. You know, you were doing a job and you were noticing certain things. Um, you know, it's not like it was an immediate drastic uh, change or health condition. It was something that was creeping up on you and kind of, you know, unfortunately had to go through the the motions with private insurance and then Medicare giving you what you needed right away. And you being in that situation where I think many people probably wouldn't be nearly as honest as you are in saying, I spent late in bed for three months waiting to die. Um, and yet tapping into get finding that strength to, to tap into um, your soul and and get you up and out and and I can't tell you, my friend, how proud that you know ARP was was a part of that uh, motivation to get you started on the the path that you are on now. When we return, folks, after this commercial break, we're going to talk to Brian more about his journey, what he's been doing since then, and uh, what he wants you to know about Alzheimer's and related dementia. This is AARP Without Limits. We'll be back after this break. 
And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits. Send us a question, send us a comment, send us a recommendation for a future topic or guest by sending us an email to AARP Without Limits at AARP.org. We've been speaking today with Brian Van Buren, who is an advocate, a nationally known advocate. Um, speaking about Alzheimer's disease, uh, we were talking about his personal story before the uh, the break, how he, what he was doing before he got his his diagnosis with Alzheimer's disease, and uh, what motivated him to start his next chapter in life. Brian, you've been traveling around the country, you know, since then, um, giving talks on dementia. Uh, though I'm sure that slowed down during COVID when we had the lockdowns and so forth. What was that? What was that experience like traveling around? Are you still doing that now? At all? Not right now. Um, they still haven't really opened up conferences. They're still being virtual, which I, I really miss because uh, I enjoy the exchange that I had with people at conferences and would just get into discussions with them. One of the things that I was very proud of was that uh, as I did my research, I found out that African Americans were diagnosed twice the rate that the white population was. And that became concerning to me and I decided as a black man I needed to give a face to Alzheimer's so when I go speak at these conferences I'm presenting myself as a black man living well with Alzheimer's hmm. um, but I, uh, I did do a conference uh, a month ago with 1400 people here in Charlotte um, and that's kind of the first one I've done but I have done in Florida I even did a conference in South Africa and I opened that up because they had never had any kind of training or experiences with people with Alzheimer's. So that was really a, a pleasant thing for me to do. I've been on it pretty much all newspapers, TV shows, Good Morning America, Today Show, magazines, newspaper articles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in a lot of ways, I'm kind of famous. I'm pretty well known. <laughs> And even uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, yes. who had heard about me, mm -hmm. uh, decided to include me in his book. And the first thing he describes me as a champion for people with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. That's right. And uh, that book, that's Sanjay Gupta's book, uh, Keep Sharp. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad that he caught wind of, of your, your brilliance and, and the impact that, that you are, that you're having. Brian, um, after meeting people at these conferences and, and being an advocate, um, hearing people's stories and, and so forth, what resonates with you the most? Um, how, how has that experience informed your understanding about how families deal with Alzheimer's and dementia and, and what, what they need in the future to help deal with this? The alarming thing was they knew very little information about Alzheimer's and dementia because their doctors just never informed them. So for a lot of them, this is kind of the first time they were given any kind of information as to what is about, what to expect. Uh, and so it really alleviated a lot of fears that a lot of people had. Unfortunately, in the African-American community, we are very back in terms of um, uh, what do you call it, promoting uh, mental health. And I went to maybe 20 conferences and I never met another black person that had Alzheimer's who least identify themselves. But yeah, mm. we're supposedly half of the population. So it wasn't until I, I met a couple named B. Smith and uh, 
her husband who wrote the first book about Alzheimer's for African-Americans. So she was the first person that I had met at a book signing. And I got into a, conf a con conference with her husband and I told him, and this is the first time I publicly told people that I had Alzheimer's. And I just burst out crying because I really was overwhelmed. He came down from the stage and just embraced me. Hmm. And he said, brother, I got you. Uh, you're going to be okay. But now that you've done this, you need to go out and you need to publicly speak about it so that you can educate more of our people so that they're not left in the dark. Hmm. Brian, um, aside from the, the, the racial health disparities, the rates of, of Alzheimer's and African-Americans, as you mentioned before, what do you think um, is most commonly misunderstood about Alzheimer's? Uh, well, I think the main thing is that most people's perception of Alzheimer's is an older person incapacitated in a wheelchair, not realizing that more and more young people are being diagnosed early on with uh, Alzheimer's. I met a man a couple of months ago at a conference who was 54 who had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's as well as his 18-year-old son. So it can now affect uh, pretty much any age. But the thing that amuses me the most is that when I talk to people, they'll say to me, but you don't sound like you have Alzheimer's and you don't look like you have Alzheimer's. And I say, well, what, what am I supposed to look like? Because that's the misconception people have about this disease. But more and more people are being diagnosed at much younger ages than previously before. My mom was one of these people who was incapacitated with Alzheimer's as well as my grandmother's. Believe it or not, when I was 16 years old, I was given custody of my grandmother because my dad refused to do anything in terms of intervention. My mom, my grandmother would wander the streets to watch the sea at night in her bathrobe. And the police would pick her up and they would call my dad and my dad would do nothing about it. So I petition the court to get custody of my grandmother and I was able to find a facility to uh, put her in. Now back then there was no memory care or any of those kind of things available. This is 1966. Mm. So we've come a long way since that. But I think one of the most difficult things is for anyone who's a caregiver to be able to take care of their loved one. In terms of African Americans, very few are able to provide funds to put them in facilities so they quit their job they stay home and they take care of their loved one uh, and as a caregiver myself for my mom and my aunt that is really a strain on you really to the point where you kind of lose yourself and not really know what's going on but in my case i'm taking care of my mom my aunt and i have it myself so it was like wow what what else could possibly go wrong with this? Now, before I uh, was a flight attendant, I'm actually a licensed neuropsychiatric therapist. And I did that for 10 years. I lived in L.A. I had a private practice. And two of my partners both died from the AIDS epidemic. I became the AIDS director of the city of Los Angeles because I knew something had to be done. Because African Americans were not at the table. So I took that on myself, and I became chairman of State of California Ryan White Funding, which I had a budget of $118 million. Mm -hmm. uh, but after my last partner died, I just couldn't do it anymore. So I just, I just walked away and uh, developed a second career as a flight attendant. I did it, and I thought, well, I'll do it for one year, and then I'll go back. Well, 22 years later, uh, I never went back. Hmm. 
and I do, I do miss it because in reality, I am a therapist for the most part. Hmm. And I'm able to kind of invoke that in my speeches and things like that to really help educate people on what this disease is all about and how to move forward with it. Well, well, I salute you, Brian, in, in, in what you've been doing with your life, you know, therapist to advocate to flight, uh, working on a plane to being an advocate again. Um, what, what's next for you? Um, are you going to continue doing conferences, things like that? Is there another another um, dimension to, uh, to your career well, uh, moving forward? Unfortunately, I now have a service dog. Who weighs 180 pounds? So yeah, I've seen big, big boy. <laughs> so he's not able to fly in planes anymore. So uh, if I do go, I would have to board him, and I'm just not willing to do that. He has what's called separation anxiety. So uh, any more conferences I'm going to do are going to have to be pretty much virtual. So I've slowed down quite a bit in these last couple years. Well, slow down, but still having a tremendous reach and, and an impact. Um, and uh, just so pleased, uh, Brian, that you were able to share your story with us today. Um, real quickly, Brian, for those folks here living in North Carolina who want to find out more information about Alzheimer's disease, what's what's the best resource for them uh, going online or, or what have you? Best resource is to contact the Alzheimer's Association. They have all kinds of information now they have a 24-hour hotline uh, they're able to provide uh, support groups education and so that has been a really great asset and i found them on the computer no one had ever told me about them so that was pretty much how i was able to find them but it's a very very important um, operation for people who are just kind of learning first about it, especially if new di- newly diagnosed someone, um, they have no idea what the hell is going on, what to do, where to go. And so they're able to really provide that information that people need very badly. Brian, thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us and, and these resources and the inspiration, yet again, my friend, uh, inspired, as always, when I when I talk with you. Uh, thanks to you, uh, thanks to you uh, Brian Van Buren, for being our guest. Thank you, Jason Kong, for production. Thank you, folks, for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. I'm Michael Linder, signing off. <laughs>